each and every one of you every time. So, welcome this chilly morning, but it's warm inside. We got some visitors with us, and I want you to know that you are honored guests. And at any time that you want to come back, we pray that you do. You are a part of our body when you're here, and we love having you here. And um, first thing, I, I kept Ron up here because we, I got to looking on here, and we got some birthdays. I think Jerry's in the back, and Jackie's right back there in, in the back. And we've got Andrew Wade, and I don't know where he is in the back. And um, we got Glenda and Ron. So we've got several birthdays, and so I petitioned Ron to uh, start us off with his special birthday song for all of you to commemorate that. Birthday to you, happy birthday to you, every day of the year, may you feel Jesus near, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, and the best year we ever had. And you haven't, you didn't, yeah. Yeah, you had a birthday at the end of October, so this was for you too, because you was mentioning it, because we don't have your birthday ready on here. You haven't, you got to tell some folks. <laughs> you got to tell some folks. <laughs> well, happy birthday, yes. All right, pantry in the gym after service. This is our first Sunday pantry, so after services, we got some tables lined up. We got some stuff in there ready. So if, if you want to grab some stuff, that's what it's here for. So you go on back there and you help yourself afterwards. And the Lord has blessed us and we thank Gleaners for that. And we thank the Lord that he has allowed them to be of service in that type of a way. Um, continue your prayers for Sharon. Um, she's still not doing very well at all. And uh, um, just just keep praying. Um, uh, and the the meal sign-up sheets out there, I don't know how far we're up to on it now, but uh, Jeff did. I texted him yesterday, and I said, how's Sharon today? And his only reply back was, eat, eat. So it, w when I was over there a couple of days ago, she wasn't eating. So hopefully she was well enough yesterday that she grabbed a couple of bites of something. So um, hospice came out uh, Monday and they said how long's that black spot been on her foot and Jeff said this is the first time I've saw it and they said that's not good so I don't know I'm not a doctor or a nurse there goes one of them and I got one on back here but uh, the the blackness starting to come on the foot they said wasn't a good thing so please keep Jeff and Sharon in the in the prayers um, keep Pam uh, England, who usually plays our guitar up here in your prayer, her son passed away. Uh, last Sunday, we put a box back there, and, and folks donated towards him being buried instead of having to be cremated. They had told him, told the family that you have to raise a certain amount of money or we're going to cremate him. We're not going to just let you pay for it like that. And you guys came through. Other folks came through. There was things... And he was allowed to be buried yesterday instead of cremated. So thank you all and bless you all. And um, 
Pam is still struggling a little bit with that, but she said that uh, she'll be back next week. So give her a big warm welcome and a big warm hug whenever she comes comes back in. And um, Thanksgiving dinner, we got pantry this week and more food next week. We got Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, there's a, a sheet on the back with things. If you want to bring something, sign on there and bring it next week. And we're going to have a big fellowship after uh, after services, just everybody will come back here. We're going to eat. We're going to talk. Um, have a good time. It's kind of like Thanksgiving for the year that we've had. And that way, it won't interfere with everybody's Thanksgiving at the end of the year as you're traveling or doing some things. And so we'll do that this week. And uh, I think that's about it for our, uh, our prayers. Prayers have been answered, though, because Gerald is right back there. Gerald had surgery and he's been off a long time. And I've called and talked to him a few times and bless his heart, he's here, him and Wilma. And so we're just so thankful and God bless you guys and we missed you so much. And now, we'll get ready and if you want to turn to Acts chapter 12, that's where our lesson's going to be centered. And um, today is... International Day of Prayer. I know that a lot of folks may not know that, but uh, one of the things that I, I kind of got involved with when I was doing prison ministry and different things was Voice of the Martyrs. And Voice of the Martyrs is a group that was started by a guy right after World War II um, in the post-Nazi era. Um, he, Romania was taken over and stuff, and he got to be a prisoner of war during that whole time and and they prisoned him and they beat him and they did all kinds of stuff to him and um, so then uh, he's when he finally got released through God's help he started this voice of the martyrs for the persecuted church uh, because he was preaching and and that's how he got persecuted he went on anyway and uh, he stood up for Jesus and he got imprisoned and lots of things happened and uh, he started this voice of the martyrs, telling us about those who have died, those who have been persecuted, and, uh, and to pray for them and just keep them in mind. And once a year, there's an international day of prayer for that, and that's today. It's good to see you, Mr. Feedback. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do a lesson on that, but I'm going to have a video in a moment. But uh, let's go to our Father in prayer as we get ready for this and... Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy great and holy name. Father, we thank you for the many blessings of life that we have, and especially that we live in this country to where we are gathered here together today, and we don't have that fear that they have in a lot of places. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Middle East and in dictatorships such as Korea and China, these places, they... They are struggling mightily. And Father, we're separated from that. And so it's good every once in a while that we know about it. Hopefully it will heighten our awareness of how good and blessed we are in this land that we live in. May it forever be, Father. May we continue to be the nation of the world that is looked to as godly. Help us to keep our path towards you. And Father... We pray that this lesson today, that as we see the video and as we watch 
that and then we turn and we look at the pages of the Bible to where it hasn't changed since the beginning of time nor since the time of Jesus and the apostles. That those who love you and love your son are going to face persecution and trials. And Father, we just pray in humility right now that we would be able to still stand strong for you if that took place in our life. So Father, be with us now and open up our understanding of how great is a way that you've blessed us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, prayer. We need to pray for our country and its direction to continue to be a godly nation because if not, the same things will happen here. Don't think that it can't. If it happened to, to Jerusalem, if it happened to Israel and Judah, God's own people that he started out with, then don't think it can't happen nowhere else. It can, and it can happen quickly. It only takes a generation or two, um, and, and we go downhill with that. You know, there's already legislature in some of the states in America right now that is trying to ban the Bible of being a book that can be sold in that state, and that the Bible is hate speech. And that if a person such as myself would teach that, that I could be arrested too. The legislature is there. It got pushed back for a later vote, but it's there in some states, and they're trying to do that. So please don't think that we're far removed from this. We have to stay in prayer, and we have to stay vigilant and, and keep going with this. And do what the Lord wants us to do. Because the squeaky wheels always get greased. And I think in Christ we haven't made enough noise. We set back. And we just go in prayer. And yes we need God. But God we're going to find out also wants us to do some things too. That it's. He's going to do what we can't do. But the things that we can do. He wants us to be empowered to do that. So I wanted to play this video for you. And then we'll go to Acts chapter 12. It's set in North Korea. Uh, if you've seen anything in the news or read it or in print, you know that North Korea has a dictator, that they're doing all kinds of nukes. They're, they're trying to be on the world stage. And as a dictatorship, just like with China, they don't allow worship to God. They don't allow Bibles. And if you're caught with one, it's, a, it's, a, it's an offense that you can be put to death for and um, you worship the ruler he is the god of that nation so um, with all of that in mind this is very real and we're going to see a true story now so miss t if you want to dim the lights and roll the video
wasn't it? I've seen it a few times and I still can't. Well, my brothers and sisters, that's real. And it's true. And we could be next. I've even had a few tell me that if something like that happens, you're probably in the crosshairs because you put it out there on the website for people to listen to and whatever. I just get to meet him a little sooner and get my reward. But this happened to, to Pastor Han. But you see the effect that it's having now worldwide, even with this. So if you're there with me in Acts chapter 12, you know, this, this thing started in Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, we didn't have to go very long. And it says that Cain was moved with anger and murdered his brother Abel over a religious ceremony that didn't go the way he thought it should go. It says in, I think it's James, that the devil was the one that was behind the motivating influence of him to rise up against his brother. It was either that or it's in First John. It's one of the two. The devil started it in Genesis chapter 4, and he continued it all the way through in Acts chapter 12, we're going to find it. He continued it with Jesus whenever he had him crucified. And he's continuing it today in all of these countries. And he's trying to infiltrate America with it. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus, when he was having a discussion with his disciples um, there, and then these Pharisees and scribes came to him and started banging on him like they always did. He said, why don't you understand who I am and what I'm trying to tell you? But you can't because you are of your father, the devil, and his desires you shall do. His desires. So the folks who perpetuate this probably have no idea that they are fulfilling the desires of the evil one. He continues to this day. And in Acts chapter 12 and verse 1, were introduced to one of the prominent members of a family who was introduced when Jesus was born. And that was Herod the Great that was the king. And he was the one who was the king when the wise men came and said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Because we have seen his star and we have come to worship him. That was the Herod who had all of the babies killed. The same persecution that was coming. And then his Whenever Jesus was taken to Egypt by his parents being warned in a dream until the danger was over. And then they said the one who sought the baby's death is dead so you can bring him now back. And they came back. But then they heard that Herod Archelaus, which is his son of Herod the king, is ruling. And so they went to Nazareth. And then, now as we get to Acts chapter 12, we got the third generation of Herod here because this is Herod the king who is also known as Agrippa. And he is in charge here right now. And he comes in and it says, around 44 AD is our time frame. And it says, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church, some of us. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. 
So Herod stretched out his hand, and what that means is, as king, he could make a proclamation, and those who served underneath to him had the jurisdiction and the right to go and to persecute. And to, to the word means to bring harm, physical harm, to the church and to prominent members. In one of the translations, it says certain ones. Well, they go after the leaders first because they always think that if you cut off the head, the rest of the body will die. They will scatter like sheep. That's what Jesus said whenever he talked to him and he said, you think that if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So he's going after the leaders and he goes and he gets James and he beheads James, the brother of John. And you know, the next thing it, it says is that uh, James, we don't know a whole lot about him, which we do of John, but you know, he was his brother. He was kind of like Andrew to Peter. And he was underneath there. But there was one time, you remember they got a nickname called Boanerges? I think it was Mark chapter 3. Sons of Thunder, because they were out there and some people was going up against them. And he said, shall we bring lightning from the sky and fire come down and smite them, Lord, shall we? And he said, no, no, let me handle this. And, but he gave them the nickname Boanerges, these two, the sons of thunder. And then something happened later in Matthew chapter 20 when their mother, Salome, came to Jesus and said, we want to make a request to you. We want my sons to be on your right and left-hand side whenever you come into your kingdom. We want them sitting right there. And you know what Jesus said? He said, are you able to drink of the cup? That I'm about to drink of. And of the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with. And you know what they said? Yeah. We can. And I'm thinking dudes. No. Did you not hear him say. You don't know what you're asking. Now if the Lord says you don't know what you're asking. You better be a little. Set back on this. And not just. Yes we can. Well guess what. Sometimes you get what you wish for. And James now, the, the cup that Jesus had to drink of was the cross. And now James is drinking up the cup because Jesus said, well, then you will indeed drink from the cup just like I did. And here in Acts chapter 12, Herod has stretched out his hand and smitten him with the sword and beheaded him. And he drank from that cup. And he was one of the first apostles to be martyred for Christ. But you know what? James was very brave. And indeed, he was ready to drink of that cup. And only one reason for his murder. You know what it was? Because he loved Jesus. And he taught about Jesus. And he was a Christian. And he was a part of the church. And a leader of the church. And so he was murdered. And that was his only crime. That it was. And then, John the Revelator, his brother, wrote this. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, he said, Now has salvation come and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, the accuser of our brethren that accused them before God day and night. You know he's doing that to us too. Day and night he stands there and tries to accuse us before God of what all we've done. And he says, Our accuser of our brethren has been cast down. But it says they overcame him. How are we going to overcome? It says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony. And that they loved not their life. Even unto death. That's how you become an overcomer. And with James I see that. I see 
that he believed in Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. He had it. Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb and been baptized into Christ? You need the blood of the Lamb first off to be upon you. The second thing he said is the word of their testimony. He did that. He was speaking for Christ and they took him. And then it says he loved not his life even unto death. I want to tell you about this testimony that he had even unto death. It's not in the Bible, but history bears out. Because I always try to dig up as much as I can for y'all. And history bears out by two of them. Alexandrius and Eusebius write of the day of James' beheading. And it says that he was taken captive and his accuser was with him. And they marched down to the parade aisle. Down to the big ceremony of where the executioner stood with the sword to be ready to do it. And James was talking about Jesus the whole way. By the time he gets there to the executioner, it says that his accuser fell at his feet and said, I want to be a Christian. And I don't want you to die as a martyr alone for this Christ that you've been talking about all the way up to this point. And he was beheaded along with James. That is the word of your testimony and loving not your life even unto death. And James was a great example of an overcomer to us. And then it says after that, that that next moment, that it was the days of unleavened bread and they went after Peter. It was getting ready for that. And now, since Herod saw that it pleased all of the Jews that he had murdered James, he said, I'm going after Peter next. He's the biggest figurehead. I'm going to get their approval. I'm going to get their praise and I'm thinking the last week when we talked about Naaman and what was his problem? Pride. Pride. I see it surfacing here. He, oh, they're praising me for killing this Christian. I'm going to go after the leader, the head one. They said Simon Peter's the head. So he goes and it says they seized him and they took him captive with the Roman guard. But since, just like with Jesus, you remember they took him on a holiday and when they put him on the cross, they didn't want him hanging there till after the, the 6 o'clock hour when it was their time for a new day because they didn't want him hanging there on the holy day. So Jesus was already dead, but they break the legs of the two thieves so they wouldn't be hanging there. It's a holy day. We can't kill him. But guess what? This is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is the one that comes right after the Passover. And you know what the Feast of the Unleavened Bread represents? It represents fellowship and union with Christ. He is the bread of life. And every week we take of the unleavened bread to show our fellowship as oneness with him. In his life as we live and in our death, we will be like him. And so they, this is the feast of unleavened bread. And Peter is going to have fellowship now with Jesus in the tomb being arrested. The same thing he did just because of what he believed in. So they arrested him. And Herod, look how much attention is being given to him. Herod assigns four squads of four to guard him. Sixteen highly trained, decorated Roman soldiers to guard him. And to make sure that he doesn't escape because he wants this praise and this honor and glory. And you know what? He's going to get what he's asking for too in a minute. Because God's going to recognize him at the end of our story for what he's doing. So, but he gets these prisoners here to make sure 
that he, nothing happens. And I want you to see the paradox that begins to start going on. James was allowed to be beheaded, but God is going to end up delivering Peter. And you know, we sometimes think about that in life, don't we? Why did God allow that to happen here, but not here? Why does it seem like the good or some, and the, we're always trying to figure these things out. And I say, don't try to figure it out. Everything happens by the will of God on those type of things when it comes to like the difference between Peter and James. Not in every situation because usually it's our choices that are the things that causes what happens to us. Choices that we have made even to God's best ability of wanting us. But he gives us free reign, doesn't he? He gives us the ability to make choices. But here, Peter and James had both made the same choice. To love Jesus, to speak for Jesus, to be a testimony. One's delivered and one's not. And you know what one of the things is? The church had become kind of dormant. He said, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Where are they still at? Jerusalem. You're supposed to be getting moving. So you know what happens when the church becomes dormant and doesn't move? It, it begins to die, so God has to do something. He's got to send persecution to get our tails on fire, doesn't he? So the first thing he does, he knew that James, one who's hardly ever mentioned, would be a strong enough Christian to be a witness for him to get things moving so that his will would be done. And he needs Peter to do some other things. And so he's going to spare Peter to do what Peter needs to be done. But James is going to be honored above belief in heaven. Because if you read the end of the book, that last book, those that are martyred for Christ get all kinds of glory and honor from our Lord and from God. And so he says, I'm ready. And he goes and he's martyred. And now Peter's in jail. And that has now ignited the church to be in prayer. The church is all gathered together now with one accord in prayer because James was martyred and they've got Peter. So we better start doing something. And they started praying. And they gathered together at the house and they're in prayer. And I want you to know how consistent Peter is. Peter is... Uh, going to be asleep when we find him there he's sleeping between two of those guards i'm glad to see he's consistent what happened when the lord was in the garden and he said watch and pray what did the lord come back and find him doing <laughs> i don't know if he had a thyroid deficiency like i do and he's just tired all the time or what but every time we turn around there was one time that peter wasn't tired and asleep you remember when that was when they was on the boat and it was rocking, and they was afraid that it was going to uh, sink. So, he, that, look, what was the Lord doing that time? And they go down there, wait, Lord, Lord, don't you care that we're about to perish? And that's the only time I, but you know what? The Lord was resting in his knowledge of God's will over him, wasn't he? And protection. So this is what I think of Peter's growth. I find Peter now between two soldiers in the center of a prison, sleeping. While the church is praying. Kind of opposite of what he did with Jesus. But I see that as his growth. His maturity in Christ. Of how he went from being frantic. When something was happening around his life. To being asleep like the Lord was in the front of the boat. So he's able to keep his cool. 
when they want him to lose his head is kind of what came to my mind. And a lot of attention's being focused, and he's in the middle. And this squadron here, now we've got a center of a prison. He is chained to two of them. There's a chain on each of his arms, and he's chained to two of the, pris- two of the guards so that he can't get loose. At the door of that center prison is two more guards, and then another guard. We got eight guards around the prison because in 16 they work in shifts, 12-hour shifts of eight. For both of them. So we got eight guards, two of them chained to Peter, and he is sitting there asleep. And Gamaliel comes to mind about what's getting ready to happen. Because in Acts chapter 5, the last time Peter was in prison, he walked out of there too. He, he's beginning to trust in the Lord because the Lord's done some things. That's where our faith gets built upon when we pray and we do, and God delivers. And when He delivers in little things, then, he, then we begin to see him and trust him to deliver in the middle things. And then we begin to have faith enough that when the elephant comes to stampede, that he can deliver that too. Because just like David, he delivered me from the lion and the bear, and he's going to deliver me from that uncircumcised Philistine too. So Peter now has seen that deliverance. But I think Herod heard about it too, and he's like, we're not going to leave him alone and unattended like we did last time. We're going to put all these guys around him. And there's no way he's getting out because I want to be glorified whenever we take his head. And so here is the promise of God that whatever the situation is, God can handle it. God can handle the things that I can't. He is going to come in and he's going to deliver that night in between all of those. Gamaliel said this the last time that they had imprisoned him. He said, If this thing is of men, it'll quickly fold up. But if this thing is of God, you can't fight against it because you're fighting against God himself and it won't be stopped. And that's the thing for us. If we really take that to heart and apply it to our life, and I think if God means what he says, and I know he does, and this is a promise, then whatever situation I'm in, if I'm supposed to live, I'll live. If I'm supposed to die like James, I'll die like James. If I'm supposed to be healed, I'll be healed. If I'm not, then I wasn't supposed to. For some reason, God wants to be glorified in that. Whatever situation like that that I'm in, if I am full of faith and fully trusting in God and we have prayer behind it, then I'm to know that God has the power and ability to do what he needs to do. I just trust. Amen? Amen? And whatever is, is whatever he wanted to be. And that's the way Peter is right now. And that's, that's what part of this is written for us, for you and I to learn from this and apply it to our lives as well. So he's there. The, the feast of unleavened bread lasts for seven days. They arrested him right before it happened. He's been in there for six days. We're now at day seven. The church has been praying for six days. And he hasn't come out. So just like Naaman had to dip seven times, on the sixth dip, nothing had happened, right? You got to wait for the seventh day. So they've prayed for six days, but I think their faith was starting to waver a little bit. They're, they're still praying, they're still doing, but they're, they're not quite there yet. So now, people gets out, and now here's what's going to happen. It's the day... It's the night leading into the day that he's going to be executed. 
been six and a half days. Herod and the executioners are ready tomorrow to be glorified. And you know what happens? God comes to the rescue. Just about the time you think he's not, he will step in. Sometimes it takes a while. It's on his timetable. Sometimes he wants us to learn from some things too. So all of a sudden it says that in that side of that prison that a light shone. Let's just read it now. Verse 7 starting. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And the angel struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hand. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie your sandals. And so he did. And then he said, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he did, and he went and he followed him. But Peter didn't know what was being done by the angel, whether it was real or whether he was just imagining it in a vision and having a vision in a trance. And so then they went past the first guard post that I told you they had, besides the two that was chained to him. Then they went past the second guard post, and when they came outside to the iron gate, the gate opened on its own accord. And then that led to the city, and they went out, and they went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter came to himself and shook the cobwebs off now, he says, I know for certain the Lord sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. Man, Peter was sleeping so soundly that the angel couldn't come up and say, Peter, get up. Peter, Peter, don't wake these soldiers. Get up. No, He's sleeping sound. So that angel comes up and bam, Peter, get up. You know, the word here is to smite. And it is that same word that was said like we're going to smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It is the word that means to hurt very badly, maybe even to, to death. So this angel put a big whack on him. And I got to thinking as I was like, what? Why? Why that word? And I thought, it must be his guardian angel. And he's getting a little bit of payback for all the times he's having to take care of this old boy. Man, you open your mouth all the time. You got your foot in there all the time. And I'm having to bail you out so I got a chance. I'm going to whack you on the side. I'm going to wake you up a little bit, Peter. And Peter gets up now and, and he's, he's kind of dazed. And the angel says, man, put on your stuff. Because the chains fell off. And he said, put on your things. Tie your sandals. Put your garment on. I want to share something with you on that, okay? Could Peter have removed those chains himself between those two guards? Could he kept them asleep like that through this whole thing? Again, the things that God can do for you and him alone... He will do. The rest of it, what did the angel tell him? You. It's a middle voice. So I'm just going to share what that means. Middle voice means the action of the person was doing it. And it's usually for your benefit. So get up. Tie your shoes. Put your garment on. Gird yourself. And now follow me. You see, we still have some choices to make too. God says I'm there to help you through the stuff. 
But there's things that I can do for you that you can't, and I will. But you've got to do what you're supposed to do too. You've got to make the decision that you want to help and that you want to do, or you're going to stay there. You're going to be wallowing where you're at in this prison, and he's going to have you tomorrow and behead you. So there's things I do and he does. It's not all, oh, I'm, have, you, have you found that job yet? Oh, yeah, I'm praying. <laughs> Playing my video game. I'm praying, though. Yeah. No. God will find you the job if you go put the application in and you go do the interview. And this is what I'm talking about with it. That there's things that we can do that God expects us to do, but there's things that we can't do that he will make the connections after that whenever we follow through in faith and do it. In faith, I will go and do what he's wanting me to do, and then that'll happen. Okay? So then... He gets up, gird yourself, put your shoes, your coat, follow me, and he does all that, and then God does the rest. He goes through the next door, the next door, the iron gate opens up by himself, sets him on the street and gets him ready to roll down the street, and now he comes to himself, and he says, I'm going to go to the house where the church is at. I'm going to go there to Mary's house where... Uh, the mother of John Mark, and I know that the church said that they would be there praying for me because that's where they met together at. In verse 14, he's knocking on the door. He's rapping on that door. And it says that a girl named Rhoda came, and she heard the knock. And the way it's written in, in there, what's going on is they're in there afraid because who just got beheaded and who got put in prison? So just like the the disciples had gathered together after Jesus' death and Jesus had to appear through the wall because the door was locked. They got the door locked because they don't know if they're next. So there's knocking on the door and she goes to listen, but she's not opening the door. So pretty soon as the knocking is going and she's waiting to see who's going to bust in, she hears a voice. And it's Peter's voice because this is all in the imperfect, so it means it's going on for a while. It's not just a one after the other thing. And she hears his voice. It's the voice of Peter. And it says she got so excited that she gets it, she forgets to open the door. She, the Lord was opening those doors, but a door that could be opened didn't get open because they hadn't made the choice yet. But she goes running, and she goes and tells him, Peter's outside. You know, they're praying for what? What are they praying for? Yeah. And she comes in and tells him, Peter's released. He's standing out the door. What'd they say? Open the door. <laughs> now, first thing he said was, you're crazy. You're beside yourself. And that word beside yourself means you're out of your mind and standing next to yourself. So it's our term for you're out of your mind. You're beside yourself. That's crazy. Peter's in prison tied between those soldiers. But I heard his voice. So what's step number two? What happens then? I guess it's his angel. I guess his angel's here. Folks, do we really believe what we're praying for? I mean, they're praying, they're doing, and I, and I think that they're doing it all in good faith. But it looked like a hopeless situation. And that's why the Lord likes to wait until it's that so that he can prove to you that it was him and so that he gets the glory and the honor. And so finally, they said, well, let's go see. And they go and they let him in. And here comes Peter barging through. Think about it. What was easier to believe that was outside the door? Peter 
or an angel. <laughs> Probably Peter, really, but they took the angel. But Peter's there, and they open the door, and he comes in. And they're all starting to chatter, and, and he, he stops them with his hand. He, Be quiet for a minute. And he explains what great things that God has done for him. And he says, go and tell the rest of them that's praying over there in Jerusalem that, that everything's okay and I've been released and I'm going to head off over to Antioch and stuff. And so he, he gets over there and I want you to see how that the church was motivated by what happened. How that they got together and prayed and even though they might not have thought totally. How many times do we pray for ourselves and for things and for stuff? But we really don't know if it's going to happen. Well, you know what? What I see through all of this is God's grace. Because even though I might waver a little bit, even though I might think that it's probably not going to happen, but I do need to pray and I do need to show my faith in that, that God goes ahead anyway because he honors that. He honors I remember the guy who the Lord said, it'll be healed according to your faith. And the, the man said, I have faith, but help me with my unbelief. We're like that sometimes. And the Lord has grace. And he says, okay, I'm going to help you. And, and so be it. So trust, pray. Don't wait for something bad to happen to get motivated to do it. Don't wait for persecution or trouble or something. We need to do it now. We got things to pray for. We've got people. We've got our family. We've got the lost out here. We've got our brothers and sisters in Christ that we saw are being persecuted daily. Let's be a family that prays together and stays together and prays for others and prays for the lost. And let's be that kind of a, a thing. So as our worship team comes on back up and we, we <laughs> don't stop now, okay. As, as we get ready to close, I want you to see the rest of the story. You remember old Paul Harvey? He had that little commercial and then now for the rest of the story. I told you that old Herod was going to get his too, right? Okay. Herod, he... Uh, he didn't get what he wanted, and he's actually started getting a little bit afraid about this Christian movement. I mean, wouldn't you be that God was behind this, and he knew that his dad and, and Pilate and what had happened to them through Jesus, now all of a sudden this man of God escapes through my soldiers. He takes off and goes over to Tyre and Sidon where there's been some problems, and they're wanting peace, so he goes over there. And he, it says he's dressed in his regalia, and he's up there on his podium and he's talking. And it says that the people down below started saying, it's the voice of a God. It's the voice of a God and not a man. And it says that it kept chanting that. History bears out for almost an hour they were saying that. And he was just standing there reveling in that. But here's the thing. Herod knew about Jesus. He knew about God. He knew about Christians. He actually participated in the Jewish ceremonies of this Passover. He, he knew about God, but he hadn't come to a belief and a faith in God. He was doing it for them. And he went after the Christians for them. And he's standing here in all of his glory, decked out with his best stuff, and he gave a great speech. And it says that the angel of the Lord struck him. 
because he did not give glory to God. You see, when you know better, and you know better, and God has given you chance after chance after chance, like he did with Herod year after year, family members, everything's happened, and you still continue to refuse. It's like Nebuchadnezzar back there in the Old Testament, too, the same thing. Finally, it came to the point where God said, enough, enough. And it says that the angel struck him, and there's that word again, and that he was eaten by the worms and died. <sighs> then we see verse 24, the comparison of that. See, you got, he wanted glory, but he wanted it for himself, not to God, and he got what he wanted, and then God gave him what he deserved. Thankfully, in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. You know it? When it, if he'd have gave glory to God, he wouldn't have got what he deserved. He'd have got grace and he'd have got saved. But he didn't. So verse 24 closes out this scene saying, but, that's the conjunction of contrast, but the word of God now because of that grew and multiplied and many souls were saved. And Gamaliel's words rang true. If this thing is of God, you can't stop it. So folks, if you're here, and you've heard that voice of Jesus calling in your ear time after time that, man, you need to become a Christian. You need to obey what I said. You need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's that first step of being an overcomer. Jesus said as he got ready to depart this earth, he that is, believeth in me and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not that what I have just said will be condemned. And then you need to make that decision today. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come on and join the family and be a part of it. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Begin that walk of your testimony. But for those who have, I pray this. I pray that we continue to serve our God in heaven as best way as that we can. I pray that we become a loving family, a praying family. I pray that our testimony of our life and our words will lead many souls to Christ. Just like this said, the word of God grew and multiplied and souls were saved. And I pray for that to be our witness and our testimony as we go forward and we leave here and we, that we will also not only pray for each other and for the body of Christ here and for the lost, but also our brothers and sisters in Christ in those foreign lands that are facing persecution every day and they can't even mention the name of God in public without death. So let's pray. And Father, thank you for the power that's in your word and the example that you left us to always be ready to be vigilant and to speak your word out and to tell others about Jesus because that is the greatest decision that anyone can make. It's the only decision that leads to eternity and has eternal complications is to either believe or reject your son and so father we pray now that that this message will be upon our hearts and our minds and we will continue to serve you and to glorify and exalt you and give you all praise and honor in jesus name amen